0: some of this content within this podcast contains information about mental health anxiety suicide and suicide ideation and may trigger personal emotions if content of this podcast raises any concerns for you support is available the views and opinions of the athlete within this story are their own lived experience and does not speak for the entire lgbtq plus community you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Q Life on 1 184 527. Hey, this is Annalie Mealy, and this is Under the Surface. Yeah,
1: all right, all right.
0: I would like to have the conversations about like performance, managing stress, anxiety, self doubt, the whole bubble of identity and like who we are.
1: All right, all right.
0: It's Annalee Mailey's Under the Surface. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Annalia Maley and this is Under the Surface. Uh, Today we have a super, super, super cool guest. We have Lexi Rogers here with us and she's going to talk us through everything about her story and her life. Thank you for joining us, Lexi. Thank you so
2: much for having me.
0: (laughs) It's So exciting. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, just getting you on and Getting people to get to know who you are as a person, as a
2: human, you're pretty cool. You go right. <laughs> I do my best. Yeah. I do my best. It's a work in progress, but...
0: Yeah. Um, so, people have been talking about you a little bit lately. Let's start, Lex. Who are you? Tell,
2: give me a quick blurb. Who is Lexi Rogers? I am Lexi Rogers. <laughs> I'm not non-existent. Um, I grew up in Melbourne. Love Melbourne, uh, outside of sport, love being creative, love ex- love adventuring, love exploring, also love doing nothing at all and just chilling and staying in bed all day.
0: I love that view. Are you on any Netflix shows at the moment?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure if we are at the moment. Oh. We, we were watching something. Actually, yeah? you know what we were watching that was really, we've been watching Dance Academy.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, like It's
2: a bit embarrassing to admit, but...
0: No, not embarrassing at all. Yeah. That is cinematic genius. Yeah, a
2: group of <laughs> 23-year-olds. That is your house actually
0: cinematic genius. Yeah. I have, I reckon, re-watched, like, all the seasons of Dance Academy because I'm in love with Jojo Siwa, Um, so many times. <laughs> like, because yeah. it's just, it gets more dramatic every time we watch it's it. It's
2: full on. It's full on. It's, but it's good.
0: It's really great. When you say that you're creative, what are some of the things that you do that... Um, Help fuel that side of yourself.
2: Uh, Like my group of friends, they're all super creative. Mm -hmm. It's a mixed bag. So if we're at someone else's house, if we're at a house, there's someone drawing, there's someone painting, there's someone Mm -hmm. writing. I I did a lot of music when I was a teenager and a lot of music when I left high school. Um, That's something I love doing and love collaborating with friends with. But I also love writing as well. So I do a lot of writing, nothing anywhere to see so don't <laughs> go looking Watch for this writing space. stuff yeah maybe um but yeah we're always doing something and there's always someone doing something interesting so even just sitting back and watching what other people do is always great
0: that's really cool were you like that even as a kid like that that was something that you did or was that something that you kind of grew into later I, in life
2: I was I was forced into playing an instrument yeah. all of my siblings were forced into playing an instrument um so I sort of was doing that when I was younger and I love doing that. Um, but kind of didn't as well because we were forced into doing it. So I yeah. loved it, hated it, left it, and then came back to it and yeah. now I really love it and I'm glad I have the skill. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fair. I wish my parents forced me into playing an instrument because I am hopeless. Like <laughs> like my my younger brother can play the guitar and just like pick up and just kind of like he hears a song and he's like, oh, yeah, chords. You know, yeah. and he can just yeah. do anything and he'll pass me the guitar and I'll be like. like that's that's the end of my expertise in that area um just kind of as I guess as we talk about you as a kid who are you as a kid what were you like and how would people describe you
2: uh it's interesting I'm the youngest of three Mm -hmm. so I've got an older brother and older sister and then it's me um I always was quite a shy and quiet kid I always thought um kept to myself a bit but was always super active, like always in the backyard running around playing with brother, playing with sister. Yep. So that was great. Um but yeah, shy kid, didn't do a whole lot of talking. If I got comfortable with people, then I was a distraction in class. <laughs> the general consensus. I think every report I ever had from from school, from start to finish was they're a distraction. They in distract class. people. You know, yeah.
0: Literally same. Yeah. <laughs> Literally same. I feel like those are the best type of people. Because we make everybody
2: else have fun. Yeah, exactly. You gotta have fun while you're doing it.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, what was your schooling experience like? Where did you Where did you grow up to start off with, and where Where did you go to school?
2: Uh, I grew up in a place called Montrose. Um, if you're from Melbourne, you probably know where it is. But it's like a little town at the bottom of Mount Dandenong, kind of just before the Yarra Ranges. Very beautiful place to grow up. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Loved the mountain. Loved the Yarra Valley. Um, I went to school locally, so just primary school up the road, um, and had a pretty pretty normal primary school, yeah. normal experience, um, and then went to high school at a place called Billinock College mm-hmm. in Park.
0: Oh, my God. I know Billinock. We used to play volleyball against Billinock.
2: Well, <laughs> save that for later because oh. there's a lot of volleyball in this story. Oh,
0: my God. Great. I'm so excited. Okay, yeah. continue. Um,
2: so... Went to Billinock College, which was again a great school, great environment, a great mm-hmm. culture. Um, got along pretty easily with people. Played a lot of sport and landless sport, so that was always a, a fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was pretty pretty standard stuff, like pretty pretty regular stuff. If when it wasn't behind the scenes, yeah, yeah.
0: Would you say that you had a pretty good su- support system around you in high school and stuff like that? Or because I also I am of the idea that no one enjoys high school, but that's just my complete bias. I know many people that are like, oh, yeah, I loved it. But I'm like, no, you didn't. You're lying. Like what was
2: – did you enjoy high school? Was that like something that was fun for you? Uh, I didn't like. I didn't enjoy going to high school <laughs> and I didn't enjoy doing what high school is supposed to be. Yeah. But I loved going and distracting others and yeah. mucking yeah. around with friends. Like yeah. that's, that's what I went there for. Yeah. Um, so – yeah, I did quite enjoy it, especially by the end when when we'd all been together for so long. And with sport too, that was a big thing. Like yeah. lunchtimes, after school, before school, there was always typically volleyball. Yeah. Um, so I always looked forward to that as well. The community of sport is pretty cool.
0: Hey, how did you get into... I guess. Did you play basketball first or were you yeah. volleyball first? Yeah,
2: I played basketball first. How did you get into basketball? I was little, little. So I would have been like grade one or two or oh something. Oh, my God. And tiny baby. Yeah. My mum would have been coaching primary school teams mm-hmm. and would have – I think she was coaching my brothers. Yeah. And they just needed bodies. Yeah. So I, I played in my brother's like grade three team Yeah. for a season and cried every game. <laughs> was pretty pathetic little kid. And then just – Kept doing that. Kept doing like little baby basketball, primary school and stuff. And then started domestic. My dad loved basketball as well, yeah. so we had a hoop out back. Yeah, kind of was just always going to be basketball. That's what my brother and sister did as well. So did domestic, and then end of primary, start of high school, did club. Yeah. Yeah, tried out for club. And then I was once once you're in that, I was in that and that's just yeah. what you do. That's yeah, just what right? you do for the next however many years you It's doing. kinda
0: like so streamlined. It's like once you play at basketball, you're in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your Fridays it's... are taken. Your Saturdays done. Sunday, Sunday morning, training. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: What club did you play for?
2: Coincidentally, uh Killsife.
0: Ah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean I guess it's kind of close to where you Yeah, are. exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um but that was pure coincidence that yeah. I ended up back there. Um, and then domestic, I played Saints, if anyone knows what's, what that is.
0: Shout out Saints. Uh, there's so yeah. many clubs that could
2: be called Yeah, that. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then so you said that there was a story behind volleyball. Do you want
2: to go into it? There is and there isn't. Yeah. So I started high school and Billinook's a big volleyball yeah. program. They have this one guy there who just built the volleyball up to what it what it was or is and it was yeah. massive. Um, so my sister went to Billinook. And immediately fell in love with volleyball and immediately got into Vic teams and Oz teams and all that sort of thing. So I saw that when I was younger and was always kind of like, oh, well, if I go to Nook, like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's yeah. cool. Like, I really looked up to that. It looked like a really awesome, fun opportunity. And so I got to high school and just went and tried out and because I was my sister's brother. Yeah. Was just, like, put in the team. Yeah. And then... I did basketball and volleyball for a long time, both of them, and was just training one day for one, one day on the other, one day for one, one day the other. Literally vibes, I did the exact same thing. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and then it got to a bit of a head uh, when I would have been maybe 16, 17, where both were getting full on. Yeah. There was like the Vic stuff going on with with basketball um, or the Vic camps Mm -hmm. and then there was... Still the Vic stuff I'd been doing for a while with volleyball, but the opportunity to do some Oz stuff as well. Yeah. So I kind of just took the opportunity to do the volleyball stuff. Yeah. And that's when I stepped away from basketball because volleyball, I could travel around the country or I could ju- go, I went overseas with it a couple of times. Yeah. Like that opportunity was in my head. I was like, that's going to be awesome. Like yeah. that, that'll be unforgettable. Whereas basketball, I'll probably just hate doing a bunch of camps <laughs> yeah. and more training and more of this. And and I, I was a lot more integrated with volleyball community than, than basketball. Mm-hmm. I was still really shy at basketball and didn't talk much and wasn't very loud. Yeah. But volleyball, I was – people knew who I was yeah. and I was fun and I was better at volleyball as yeah. well. So, yeah, I made that choice and then stepped away from basketball.
0: And so I guess my – the next question is is like your. Your life, right? The, the story of you. When did you start figuring out who you were? And, like, I, this is a very bold question because on the last podcast I had to answer who I was and I was like, I have no idea. Like, yeah. what was the process for you starting to figure out that you weren't who you were supposed to be and you're trying to figure out who you are? Like, it's, how did that all t- – t- tell me everything.
2: It's it's a, a lo- It took a long time mm-hmm. and it was uh, – quite a long process and I look back in it in hindsight at the time I didn't think much of it mm-hmm. but in hindsight I feel really sorry for that young boy mm-hmm. dash girl um so when I was around 10 11 and moving out of primary school into high school start a puberty kind of age yeah I would get these feelings and these tendencies of you know, oh, I wish I was a girl. Oh, I wish I could do that. Or yeah, that sort of dysphoria with who I was and who I wished I could be. Yeah. And it was ultimately, I wish I wish I could be a girl. Mm-hmm. And I would have there were a, few, a couple times where I might have like a dream one night where I was a girl in the dream yeah. and was like, wow, that was that was great. That was awesome. Amazing. And then wake up and be like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then that sort of escalated for a couple of years. To the point where um, my parents might take my brother and sister out to the sports stuff and be yeah. out for like a couple of hours and i would sort of sneak into my sister's room or something this is really embarrassing and try on some of her clothes or whatever stuff yeah. like that um but i still felt really ashamed of that yeah. like i would do that and then afterwards just feel really ashamed of myself like oh, what is wrong with you yeah like that's weird yeah and then I almost, when I was about 14, I think, I almost got caught doing that when someone forgot something and came back home. Yeah. So I didn't get caught. So this was all super, super secret. Like yeah. I would never let anyone in on these. You never sorts told of anyone about no it. No way. So
0: that was all happening in your own head without any sort of support.
2: Well, it escalated to that point. And in my head, some, there were some nights where I would be up in my bed and I'd be like, I could. Tomorrow, if I still feel like this about it, I might tell my mum or I might tell my brother or my sister or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would always wake up the next morning and just be back with like, no, it's too scary, it's too much. So that sort of got to a bit of a boiling point. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of – and this is the sad thing when Mm -hmm. I look back is like I remember just getting one day to making a decision that was just like – okay, I can either tell someone and go down that route and see where it takes me. And I felt like I would sacrifice all of my friends, all of the sport, everything I had to do that. Or I can come to terms with not engaging with that side of myself and not making that my identity and just living my life as a boy and living my life as a man and just being content with that. Yeah, And I made that decision and I did – I came to terms with it, came to terms with yeah. it, didn't really. Um, and then I sort of from there just suppressed all of those feelings and emotions and all those things I was doing. Like I was kind of like, okay, that's enough. Like that's wrong. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But there was a serious sense of shame the whole time when I was feeling that way and then that just got worse as I after I made that decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. almost as you had to suppress it, it started boiling up more.
2: Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I was pretty good at suppressing it yeah. like and what ha- what happened was I I chose to suppress it and I moved away from it and at that point sports was getting a bit more full-on like yeah. you get more opportunities to do high-level sport different things with sport and so I kind of just jumped headfirst into that mm-hmm. and that was just who I was so okay I can't be the pretty girl I want to be, whatever, whatever. I'll be the sporty boy who's really good at sport and everyone likes because they're a jock and they're cool and they're yeah. this and that and this and that. So I I ended up doing it. That's why I dove so heavily into sport as well because um, there's just there's just a status quo with it. Like you can mm. just see how many people fit in with it and have an identity out of it and that's who they are. So yes. I sort of just sort of latched myself onto that Yeah. and was pretty committed to doing that for the rest of high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like in those sporting environments, and this could be completely wrong, but in those sporting environments, whether it be volleyball or basketball, were you ever able to explore like even the thought of being something other than this like masculine jock? You know what I mean? Like do you think that there's safe spaces for people to be able to be like, oh, can I explore who I am here? Or did you have a different type of experience?
2: Uh, It was interesting difference between both sports because yeah. basketball I was in when I was really young and mm-hmm. so I probably had an idea of what the basketball community was in my head yeah and I was still super shy up until the till the end of when I was playing it so in basketball it was probably it was probably my own kind of insecurities but I really didn't express myself and feel comfortable doing that in the basketball space volleyball was totally different cuz basketball When you're at that age, you're pitted against each other, it feels like. Like, you're always competing, always on and off the court. Um, Volleyball was a bit more cooperative. Like, you need people in volleyball. Like, everyone's touching it in volleyball. And you need a good set or you need a good hit or you need whatever. Um, So, the community of volleyball, and probably because I came to it when I was a bit older, I just immediately loved and was embraced by and, and was much more comfortable expressing myself in. And then... Through volleyball, like, when I felt more and more comfortable in that space would be more eccentric or more flamboyant with how I played or how mm-hmm. I dressed or how I did whatever. Like, I always loved standing out. I yeah. always loved standing out. I would, like, draw on my tape yes. if I drew if I was taping my knee and stuff or I would wear a silly headband and have hair going everywhere and things like that Yeah, because I loved standing out and I loved being different. And I felt comfortable doing that in volleyball.
0: Did but- you have anyone in high school while you were kind of having this inner battle of like who am I but also like then trying to enjoy your life, I guess, that you were able to confide in that kind of knew what was going on? And if so, who was the first person that you were able to speak openly to about not feeling right in your body? Um,
2: At that time, time, I'm still best friends with the friends I have from high school. Yeah. Um, But at that time – I didn't tell anyone. Still, all throughout the entire of high school, no one ever knew. Um, so it was only a, like, even after high school. It was only f- a few years later when mm-hmm. I finally kind of let someone know about the thoughts I'd been having in that space, um, and the floodgates opened a bit. But yeah. I, f- it's it's. In hindsight, I could have told them. I could yeah. have told them when I was like year seven or year eight or something they wouldn't have cared it just would have been what it was
0: it's like the perception it's like we always think that other people will react completely differently hey it's like um and we were talking about this the other day it's like we're both very highly anxious people right so the the thought process of like telling someone something and then being like oh my god but then they're gonna never talk to me again it's like like we almost need to trust that you know the people around us are in our lives for a reason hey yeah it's kind it's kind of hectic there. especially
2: in high school when there's such a kind of yeah like there's a huge fear of judgment everyone has a fear of judgment but there's sure. also a pretty big at least at my school big divide with the boys and the girls yeah and when you're a part of like the boys group or yeah a group of the boys mm-hmm. it's you feel like you're gonna if if i did tell anyone like I'm going to be outcast, like I'm going to be so alone yeah. if I do that.
0: Were you a part of that, quote-unquote, the boys in high school? No, definitely <laughs>
2: not. We were d- – no. I wasn't stereotypical jock, Yeah. you know, meathead, let's go bash each other up on the oval or whatever. <laughs> yes. like, like we were pretty weird still. Like we were yeah. definitely kind Quirky. of in the middle. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like the next question is is like how – and when did you make the decision to transition? And what was that – what was that – God, there's so much that goes into it, but talk us, talk to us about your journey in that space. And, you know, you said you suppressed it and you kind of accepted this life. At what point and then from that point were you like, all right, well, I'm going to live as truly who I am?
2: That – it's so – I went through high school and mm-hmm. it, t- super suppressed, super suppressed, like mm-hmm. – there's a 10 locks on that door and that's not getting out yeah. ever and that yeah. became normal like yeah. that just became part of my life yeah so i got pretty comfortable with that um un- really unhealthy but became quite comfortable with that yeah and then after high school sort of felt i could either pursue volleyball mm-hmm. or uh go to uni and at the time the advice i was getting from everyone was to go to uni so i left home my sister had left home mm-hmm. when she was younger. So again, I saw that and was like, oh, I want to leave. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Cool. so I left so home cool. I left home like almost straight after year twelve, um, to go and study in Bendigo mm-hmm. and lived there. Represent Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then lived there for the next three or four five years. Yeah. Um and it was really hard leaving sport. I sort of my passion for volleyball had kind of waned. And yeah. when I made the decision to study over volleyball, I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to take, ai am going to take a step back from yeah. volleyball. Like that's just how I felt. So I did that. And then it was really uni, living on uni residence for a bit and then living in share houses and partying a lot and being gross and carrying <laughs> on all the time. Like not doing any work, just mucking around all the time. It was great.
0: Yeah. Shout out Starbar. You gotta go there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mention my name at Starbar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they closed down. They oh. closed I know it's so sad. Anyway, sorry, we I digress. Really sad. I digress. I remember yeah.
2: Yeah. Universal Closed Down and yeah, so sad. Shit, yeah.
0: Now it's the deck, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. It's a vibe. The deck is still a vibe. Shout yeah. out the deck also. Yep. Um <laughs> Anyway, so, yes, Bendigo, you were out, you were partying, you were enjoying your life.
2: Yeah, yeah, like that sort of superficial I love life, I'm going to go and be a crazy yeah. dickhead, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I kind of leaned into, because I moved away from sports, like it was probably more leaning into being, you know, that more one of the boys, like a yeah. and especially in the country, that culture is oh, a lot yeah. more
1: prevalent. Oh, yeah.
2: Prevalent. yeah. So, sort of lent into a little bit more of that and a little more like, you know, boy pack mentality kind yeah. of thing. And that I think under the surface was <laughs> under the <Yeah>. surface. <laughs> um, that kind of was fighting a lot with the suppressed stuff that, that, you know, I could identify with sport quite easily. So it's easy to make that my identity, mm-hmm. but I couldn't really identify that closely with being one of the boys. Yeah, And so slowly, but surely over, over the course of a couple of years, those thoughts that I'd had almost a decade before and those tendencies, they'd come back in full force and they were vicious. And I was really at war with myself for a while. And then lockdown happened and I was in a relationship at the time and I did the whole year lockdown was working was whatever, but yeah, it was bubbling away and it was sort of starting to escalate and escalate and escalate. And then at the end of the year, um broke up with my girlfriend and that was really really hard again because i was having all these sorts of like a similar thing where it's like if i don't have a partner no one's gonna love me especially if i feel this way like like i've got so many things going on in my head that are just conflicting like it felt like that was i was just gonna be alone yeah so we broke up and that was really rough and then literally like two or three weeks later my mom was diagnosed with Uh, terminal cancer and so at that point mentally I just bottomed out like rock bottom was living on my own in a flat that I was living with my ex-girlfriend in just on my own locked down mum's not looking good that Mm -hmm. was brutal like she was always my go-to yeah so that was such a blow and then um At the time I was in uh, Melbourne just for the year and I was going to move back to Bendigo for work Mm -hmm. and to finish my uni. And I did that and just felt like, yeah, rock bottom. Couldn't get worse. Really, really awful. And I feel bad now looking back being like, oh, things were so bad that in my head I was like, if I express myself differently or if I feel like this or if I engage with those feelings I've suppressed for so long, How could it get any worse? Yeah. Which is sad. And that's not how it should be for people who have those feelings. Yeah. But that's how it was. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time I told a friend about how I'd felt and all these different things I'd felt and how I wanted to explore my feminine side Mm -hmm. within being a male. Yep. And then did that and immediately floodgates opened it was just obvious and it was just explained so much and it was like the euphoria i got Mm -hmm. from wearing tighter clothes or wearing dresses or doing what i used to do when i was 13 14 but doing it with the support of a friend yeah and doing it in my own time as well it was overwhelming and it, that's it was just so quickly just like this
0: like you could breathe like you've been walking around with someone pressing on your chest and now you can
2: yeah yeah it was a weight off it was a huge weight off um and it was such a quick quick move from oh I'm gonna be a more feminine guy to oh I'm trans yeah it's, there's no doubt about it yeah um and then connected with a couple of people who had had the same experiences and saw all, looked at resources online and all these different things It's yeah. just like, yeah, this just makes sense now. This all just makes sense now.
0: How did you find that support system, like those people that you connected with that um, were able to steer you in the right direction? Because I can only imagine that, like, you know, we're not educated about resources or anything like that in yeah. school, And in any sort of our education processes, so how were you able to reach out and find the right people or did they find you?
2: Well, I think that was all of the, like, lack of information and lack of resources and and all of that. I think that's part of the reason you do feel like you're supposed to be ashamed of it and suppress it. Mm -hmm. That's for a different time. Um, Yeah. I met this friend just after high school Mm -hmm. on um, Tinder. (laughs) And we I like just, how
0: you muttered the Tinder word. You're like, I met this friend yeah, on yeah,
2: yeah. <coughs> Tinder. Yeah. Um, but we just we were just friends. Yeah. Um, and we hit it off. Like we were really close, got along, best mates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I knew that they had been with a transgender person. Yeah. Before, and so I kind of always felt like if I was going to tell anyone, they would be who I told. Yeah. But because we just got we got super close over the course of the next three four years anyway that they were just the person I would tell yeah. and they would be the right person to help me get through it and they were
0: and, and they connected you with the people that you needed to talk to
2: um we discussed it um we did we just talked about it at length so the first the first stage was kind of just like airing everything out here's f- 10 years talking, of suppression yeah, <laughs> catch yeah. this oh, yeah. yeah it was a lot and that took weeks to sort of wrap my head around the whole what it, what everything was and what it was going to look like. And then they encouraged me to call a uh, gender health clinic in Ballarat, mm-hmm. which I did. And um, they p- were just sent through all kinds of resources, all kinds of different doctors, all kinds of different everything. And mm-hmm. it was from there that, that everything just kept flowing through. But from the decision when I told them and started engaging with all that girly stuff that I wanted to, and then realized that I was trans, I kind of just started telling everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Which was scary, but also really exciting. So I was like, hey, guess
0: what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, here's some information I need to tell you. Yeah,
2: you'll never guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you have anyone in your life that was like, yeah, no shit, you know? Uh,
2: (laughs) Very few. Really? Okay. Yep. Family, I think, was all very, very surprised. Yeah. Very right. surprised. Um, and then I had, I think, a couple friends who weren't that surprised, mm-hmm. but I think the general response was, "What? Like, yeah. What do you mean? Because you do. I just hid it away yeah. and kept it so private mm-hmm. for so long. Like, just this was just for me to know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, everyone was very shocked, but became obvious really quickly to everyone like everyone kind of clocked back at little anecdotes and was like oh is that why you said that that time or is that why you did that that time it's like yeah yeah
0: yeah uh put a and b together yeah yeah um so when you spoke to your family i know that for a lot of people like being open with their family is like a really difficult thing like i mean on a different level i remember coming out to my family and i got the whole like yeah of course like no shit we've known for longer than you have um but what how did your family respond when you told them that you were trans and what advice would you probably give to people who are needing to talk to their family about that type of stuff
2: it's uh my family didn't have any. so my brother's gay Mm -hmm. so He'd come out years and years and years ago. He paved the way for you. <laughs> well, wow, it's it's funny and I was just, oh, like, he did because I didn't feel, once I knew, mm-hmm. I didn't feel worried about telling anyone yeah. really. But um, before I knew, I was kind of like in my head, oh, there's already, already one of us is already dead. <laughs> there can't be another, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just so irrational and so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a genuine thought that I had when I was a teenager. It's kind of funny. (laughs) How ridiculous. Um, But, yeah, I felt I knew he wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, And I went to my mum first because I used to call my mum every day. Like, Mm -hmm. she was my go-to. So I called her and her initial response was not really what I was expecting, which was just sort of shock Mm -hmm. but fear. Yeah. And she was scared and she was worried and she cried because uh, I think – she was just scared of how much more difficult my life was going to be. And she didn't like she did know anything about what the trans experience was. So she just jumped to the worst conclusions about what it looked like being a trans woman yeah. in society. And then, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, that kind of tempered out a little bit. Like that mm-hmm. chilled out. And she was just fully on board and fully supportive because, you know, what are you going to do? Tell me no. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, she was fully supportive. She was fully on board. And I was nervous about telling my dad because, because like, we used to play sport all the time out the back and mm-hmm. all these different things. So he was almost the last person to know in the fam. But he was the most accepting and the most amazing about it. And I told him – I told him I was, like, oh, I'm actually trans. And he was just like, oh, cool, okay. And I then he that. went away – read a bunch of books himself, like did all sorts of research himself and was just like educated himself about it. And it was just – he surpassed all expectations.
0: I love that so much because isn't it scary to think that like – I mean I know for me like my – I was scared to tell my dad like Mm. that I was dating a woman and I think that there's this misconception sometimes and also sometimes it's been confirmed but that like – the straight male of the family is going to react in such a harsh way but like to educate yourself and then to support your child like that's a beautiful thing
2: yeah he was incredible he was incredible
0: like and that ongoing support has he been someone in your corner now that you can rely on with stuff or
2: uh yes he <laughs> is i call him all the time mm-hmm. um in the last couple of weeks, which has been quite full on, yeah, um, he's on his honeymoon, so uh, I haven't been able
0: to <laughs> right. talk to him. Right? Yes, uh, you told me he was in Africa, which is, is. super random.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of hard to get a hold of at the moment. Yeah, but he is definitely in my corner. He's, yeah, once he's back. So,
0: if um, I'm going to ask about kind of the next stages of your journey, quote unquote, and like I find journey is an interesting term that I use because we're, we never really find our destination, right? Life is just. A journey. Wow, that's really quotable of me, actually. Life is a journey. You don't have a destination. Whatever. Like, we never stop learning. We never stop growing. We never stop changing. We're we're always evolving. So, you in Bendigo or in Melbourne when you first started your transition and you've told people and um, you're now – when was the first time that you really stepped out as Lexi? Like, I am Lexi, I am a transgender woman, Uh, and this is me.
2: It was – so, when I I moved back to Bendigo for Mm -hmm. the year – and, um, was telling friends and family and was telling a lot of people, but it was still especially, I think because I was in Bendigo too, I was a little bit like, well, it wasn't public. Yeah. It wasn't public. And once I started the medical side of things, mm-hmm. um, which was just the natural progression and that was a really pretty breezy process for me because yep. of where it sat with me, Yeah. um, I still kept it pretty quiet for the second half of that year Mm -hmm. um, because I still had a job. I still had a job where I was a bit scared of what that might look like or, like, what the hell am I going to wear to work? Like, what am I going to ask people to call me or what pronouns and all these different things? And I knew that I was going to come back to Melbourne after the year was done. Yeah. So I didn't shy. Like, I still wore the clothes I wanted to wear and, it, you know, did my nails and did my makeup and stuff like that. But I didn't really have, like, a stepping out thing in Bendigo where I was like, hey, yeah. it's me, I'm different. Yeah. But once I moved back to back to Melbourne at the end of that year, I was like, yeah, this is – I am now a woman. I live as a woman. I love it. Like yeah. comfortable with where I'm at. Everything was just fully done. Yeah.
0: How do you deal with people um- – misgendering you and dead naming you and you doing that type of thing because I I've always I have a close friend of mine that's trans and um he uh it's it's harder for him to deal with it because he just gets angry um rightfully so how do you deal with that
2: I get misgendered a lot Mm -hmm. at work and generally um you'd be surprised how often it happens even when you're like Dolled up. Yeah. It's weird. Um, I kind of just brush it off. I probably should speak up more, Mm -hmm. but I'm not that sort of confident a person. So a lot of time I just brush it off like, I don't know, these people are strangers. They don't actually, they're not actually, like no one's actually looking at me and going, yeah, I'm going to misgender this person. Yeah. Like, like, you'd have to be a real kind of dick to do that. Yeah. (laughs) So... Most of the time I just brush it off. Like, I'm never mm-hmm. going to see this person again. It is what it is. Like, I know who I am. I'm confident in myself. Like, I don't worry about it.
0: For the, the people listening, what is misgendering? Can you describe that?
2: So, I'm a she, her. Those are my pronouns. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you refer to me, please use she and her. Yeah. Misgendering me would be to call me he or him. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. No. <laughs> um, I
0: don't think anyone would. So.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... It's changing. It's definitely getting better, especially mm-hmm. in uh, the workplace. Like, like there was a real, cons- like, real effort at my workplace to push the pronouns, and everyone lets you know their pronouns. Everyone's super respectful of it. So it's changing. It's just it's a long process. Like it takes it takes time.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I guess then, like in your last kind of year, um, and last, I guess, little bit like. Being able to be yourself, what is the main difference between, like, just feeling like you are who you're supposed to be and the way that you kind of were throughout, you know, your later high school, early uni days? Like, what is the main difference between the way that you are, I guess?
2: I just feel like I can be open with everyone Yeah. now. Like, I'm just not hiding anything i don't have anything i need to be worried about in the back of my head about who i am and how i look and all these different things like it's just so much it's just freedom like it's just in my head it's just freedom to just be myself and not constantly have to question you know whether or not i want to do something or look a certain way or be a be a certain person it's it is just the biggest weight off ever and then there's the other there's the other side of it with um gender euphoria mm-hmm. where th- thankfully i don't suffer too much from dysphoria mm-hmm. uh, which i'm very grateful for but can you
0: describe what gender dysphoria is
2: yeah i'll do my best <laughs> um it's it's different for everyone i think mm-hmm. but it's if you have uh and i think everyone gets it too like I this isn't just say. a transgender thing yeah. mm-hmm. like a part of you whether it's physical or emotional or anything that doesn't align with your gender in the case of gender dysphoria, but just you as a person. So, you know, stereotypical examples would be a trans woman gets gender dysphoria because of her Adam's apple or because of her, you know, downstairs area or hairline or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's dysphoria and it can be seriously, seriously bad for people, like yeah. really, really harmful mentally mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Um, and so medical transitioning is is sort of the best way to address those physical things yep. where you can change a lot of things about your body to align with how you feel.
0: And your gender. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and <laughs> that's kind of the approach to helping gender dysphoria.
0: And so on the other side of that... Um, gender euphoria how does what what is that
2: yeah again this is something I talk about with my roommate a lot so this is still something that everyone has and Mm -hmm. everyone feels it's just it's like I don't know like if you dress up for an event or something and you look really good and you're like yeah girl you're rocking yes like you feel (laughs) you feel really good right like you feel great like it's similar to that so it's different in terms of where what my transition was because you go from you know, dressing like a boy and looking like a boy, like that's on one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then you go the full way to uh, wearing a dress and I'm dolled up and I look cute. It's just that like it's so affirming and mm-hmm. it's so exciting to be able to finally express yourself like that. It's just an overwhelming joy. Yeah. Like, oh, I love this. Yeah, I love how I look. And there's so many different things that go into it that just give you that sense of fulfillment yeah. and love of you know feminine things if that's what that's what makes you euphoric or masculine things if that's what makes you euphoric but yeah I think it's something everyone experiences
0: absolutely and I mean I can give an example so um people can understand like
2: on you know
0: I have experienced this in things like so the WNBL awards I wore a dress I'm so uncomfortable in dresses like so uncomfortable and I have a lot of people in my life they're like oh you look so cute in dresses mm-hmm. sometimes I look at myself in the mirror in a dress and I'm like this feels wrong. Yeah, like I yeah. just, and I, like, I might see how my shoulders look or uh, or something, I'll pick apart something that makes me feel slightly gender dysphoric. Um, but then on the same end of that, sometimes I feel like like in a suit, I'm like, yes, this is it, yeah. this is how I'm supposed to be, but I yeah. still feel intensely feminine. Yeah. But it's something about the way that I don't feel dysphoric about my body. And that's, that's an example of that um on someone that isn't transgender to show that like people
2: experience that and they just don't know what to call it there's, there's just a way to express yourself yeah. that, that, and if you express yourself accurately and how you want it's great and you feel good and it's exciting and regardless of like gender obscures that because we feel we should be a certain way depending on where we where we fit in yeah so Without that, I think everyone would just ex- express themselves how they want and feel great about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting how gender kind of prescribes dysphoria with a lot of people and the different the different kind of it's like a box. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's interesting, and it's hard too because you've got you know without without feeling not great as a boy. I mean. I love engaging with being feminine and yep. that's what I feel good doing. Mm-hmm. But there isn't, there is no such thing as that without the other. Yeah. So it's, it's a complex, it's really complex. Absolutely.
0: Right? Do you, um, I, I, I ask about like the education process for everyone, right? Like not just like people in schools, but like for people that want to like learn about what a transitioning is, being transgender, where are the resources there Uh, and do you have any suggestions
2: (laughs) speak with if if you know people ask if they're comfortable talking about it and speak with them yeah the big thing i would say to anyone who's interested in learning about transitioning is that it's not it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah everyone's transition is very very different Mm -hmm. in terms of resources you can just go and search up and look up i found there's one called trans hub yeah it's new south wales government thing that's fantastic that's what I looked at when I was looking at these things. Or just talk to you, talk to a gender gender health clinic. Mm-hmm. They're happy to hook you up with those resources. That's what they do. So yeah, I would I would definitely go and look. There's stuff out there, but the big one is you know. It it's hard to teach people about something that's so subjective.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's such an individual experience for everyone, right? And like I think that there's this misconception out there that transgender people all fit
2: into a box, right?
0: Like everyone's transition is the same and it's so completely not the case. No way,
2: no way. No, mine would be super different to other people's, Mm -hmm. super different to other people's. And there'd be a lot of people who were comfortable when they were younger and made that choice that I didn't and transitioned and their transition would be totally different or people who are older and they have no idea why what the feelings even are yeah. and then it's the process of figuring that out and then coming to terms with that themselves like it's just it's, it's so different everyone has a different brain yeah so everyone goes about it in a very very different way different experience yeah
0: your day-to-day now and support systems i talk a lot about support support systems and how important it is for us just as people to have people around us that we can trust and do you have a really great support system just in your general life now, day-to-day, that just understand you for who you are?
2: Yeah, it's yeah, it's super strong. It's not huge. It's my family and friends I've had forever. Mm-hmm. But we're all so tight. We're all so tight-knit. I could go to them with anything and they'd be great. And even coming into basketball, there's a lot of people who have given me so much and done so much for me in this space that that I have a lot of support yeah. from a lot of people and that's been amazing.
0: What, this is the question that like the one that has been asked over and over and over and over. Why did you decide to come back to basketball? Uh,
2: because I love it. Mm-hmm. Because I love it. I always in playing the sport, just the actual sport, playing it, basketball was always my first love mm-hmm. and I'll always love it. Mm-hmm. And when I transitioned, I kind of, it went through my head. I was like, if you do this, then you're not going to be playing sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was tough, but that was the decision that I, I made in my head. And it was only through, like, I, I still shoot around all the time Yeah. during that time. Like I still just go and work out and shoot around and all that sort of stuff because I love doing it. Yeah. And it was only through a work event someone was watching me play and they were like hey do you play for someone would you be interested in playing for someone Mm -hmm. and the penny just sort of dropped again where I was like yeah actually I would if that's an option I'd love to yeah like that'd be great and then things just sort of progressed into what they are now where every time I'm on the basketball court every time with the girls every time I've got anything going on that's to do with playing basketball it's just a it's just a gift. Like yeah. I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I'd be playing basketball again. I never thought I'd be playing basketball at this level again. Yeah, And it's super exciting, super grateful.
0: So stepping into that Killsight team, what was it like, was that scary for you to then make that step or did it feel natural? And, um, how, how was the team? And like, just tell me about that, like how that was for you. Cause making that decision in itself would have been scary, but then how was, like, you know, your first practice, you I know? I went like-
2: to a session mm-hmm. and was so nervous, yeah. like super nervous mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't know what to expect from the club or the girls or anyone. So I was pretty scared and I was pretty bad as well. I like, <laughs> had a shocking session. Couldn't run out this training session because yeah. I was just not fit enough. Yeah, Um And then... They broke for the year. So I went to one session, sort of felt like I embarrassed myself a bit and then was like, okay, I, I had been invited to come back and do some more sessions if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, I should probably not take a break. <laughs> and then I just spent did spend all my own time
1: mm-hmm.
2: getting fitter and getting some touch and mm-hmm. then came back the year of well, this year mm-hmm. and sort of did a like we did a couple of sessions some of the girls would just come in and we'd play 3 on 3 or something or like really chill stuff and that was really great to sort of dip my feet back in and get back into it um, and then once training sessions started up again it mm-hmm. was seamless like felt like part of, felt confident in my playing ability felt confident in being a part of the team all of the girls have been so welcoming mm-hmm. so lovely so much better than i ever thought anyone could be in this space mm-hmm. i can't give them enough credit with how they've gone about this situation. Um, and the same with all the coaching and yeah. even the club. They've all been so welcoming. They all ask me the right questions. They all are really sensitive to what, you know, could be an issue for me and yeah. how, to, how to go about it and how to address these different things. But it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're just like the, the crazy thing is, is I, I remember when we connected just the other day, I was like, like she's just a girl that wants to play basketball. Like she's just one of the girls that wants to play basketball. And it's, it's a, I believe that basketball is a really special thing to so many people. And like hearing you talk about it, I'm like, it's just a something that you enjoy doing. And I think that, you know, it's, it's special that you were able to hold on to that throughout your transition and, and your life, like to be able to have sport is like as and not fully identify with it either, but like have it as a part of us. It's super special. And yeah. we we can't underplay that. And I guess um like moving forward, not just in basketball, but in, in your life, the life of Lexi, your next, like, do you have goals that you're looking forward to in, you know, your outside life? Um, like, you know, I ask people these questions and sometimes it's like, buy a house start a studio you know like do you have like these overarching goals are you a goal setter or are you just like you know what i'm taking it one day at a time
2: i used to Mm -hmm. and i used to run myself in circles a bit with focusing on what i wanted to do and how i was going to get there and so i try not to now because i just focus on it too much yeah i really want to one i want to play good basketball Mm i want to have a a good basketball career, Um, I'm committed to to playing basketball and Mm -hmm. I want to make it my career. Yeah. And that's sort of the most I've committed to for the next however long that may be. Outside of that, yeah, day by day, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What do you – I'm going to ask you a couple questions now and you actually don't have to answer any of these if you're not comfortable but. And I think, you know, these conversations of getting people to listen to like your journey to hear just who you are like, who is Lexi to putting a face to this idea that everyone's come up with. Yeah. That's the, that's the most important thing right now because, you know, there's so much circulating about like who you are and like who, wh- how you're going to present and what you're supposed to be and wow. Like, and it's, A, it's suffocating and B, it's just wrong. Like, yeah, let's put a face to your name and who you are because you're a wonderful human that just wants to exist. And that's, that's the baseline. Like, yeah.
2: I think it's been, yeah, I think it's good to have a bit of a voice yeah. now because when it's this hypothetical person and people are making a picture of what a transgender athlete looks like in their head, Um, Yeah, One, I don't think it's me, but two, I think it's a bit harsh and people just forget that there's actually a person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that there's actually like – and online it's so easy to be able to just like say whatever you're saying and not think about the consequences about that. But I guess so we can kind of take a a last little deep dive into your you, I want to ask you about something that – is there anything that people – don't know about you and wouldn't expect, like something completely random? <laughs> <sighs> That's
2: really hard.
0: I know, it's a really hard question. <laughs> um
2: I really love disco music.
0: That is the best. That is the best answer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so it's random. that interesting. But. I know. I didn't know anyone that likes disco
2: music. Oh, so there you go. Go. There you're go. You're my
0: first disco music liker. Yeah.
2: And Obsessed.
0: <laughs> I love that. Now oh. I'm just picturing you now with like a nine, a 60s yeah. outfit on, just like, oh. you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. If that's there's places saying. like that, that's where I'd be.
0: I'm sure there is. Brunswick Street and Smith Street, surely there's a disco vibe along there somewhere. Some, it does exist. If
2: I've got headphones in, that's... That's,
0: that's what you're listening I've, to? It, the that, BGS. That's <laughs> what I work out.
2: That's workout music.
0: Disco music
2: is your workout music. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's actually the best. Um, okay, so then you now sitting here on a podcast with me talking about who you are, what would you say to your younger self if that if you got the opportunity to sit down and look at your younger self and be like, hey, this is what's going to happen to you, what would you say? What would your advice be and what would you warn them of?
2: Buckle up, kiddo. (laughs) It's going to be a bit of a journey. Yeah. Um, It's hard because part of me is like, yeah, I would tell them to just love themselves and – let themselves be who they are. But at the same time, I wouldn't change anything that, yeah. that I've done over the last 12, 13 years.
0: You'd do it exactly the same all over again?
2: <sighs> probably not. <Yeah. laughs> probably not. I'd probably, I'd probably change some things. Up, Yeah. something. Yeah. be there for them and be like, it's it's all right to have these feelings. That's all good.
0: Yeah. And is that something you would then um, say to, I guess, you know, some young 13-year-old that's sitting there and listening like having these feelings like, hey, it's going
2: to be okay. Yeah, it is going to be okay. There are people out there. There There is resources out there. There's people who will support you always.
0: And then what would you say to people that just purely don't understand and they're like, oh, I just don't get it? What's your response to that?
2: Um, I think if if you don't get it and you don't know, w- one, don't yell stuff on the internet about yeah. it mm-hmm. um, because it's probably wrong. Yeah. It's, two, if you go and learn about it, yeah. go and ask people about it, go and look online, go and talk to people about it. Yeah. Because... Even people even people who would consider themselves educated, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah. There's a lot to be educated on.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I've had these conversations recently where people don't understand and they're scared to not understand. And it's like, that's okay too. If you don't understand, just ask the questions. Yeah. But ask them nicely. Yeah. Be nice people. Talk to people the way you would like to be spoken to. And I think that especially in this space, and not just about you, Lex, but about anything that people don't understand, when you ask, because it's okay to ask, be nice, be understanding, be empathetic, and there's nothing wrong with asking the question, but there is something wrong with being rude while you do it. There is something wrong with misgendering people. There is something wrong with not... um, not being able to put aside something that makes you uncomfortable to ask a question. I think that there there needs to be space for people to be okay, being uncomfortable and then trying to understand everyone. Cause isn't that just like, that's life, right? Like we're yeah. not, we, we don't walk around looking at everyone in the street. Like I don't understand you or you or you like it, it we should just be open and try to understand. And I think that, I think that, for people that don't understand, my message would be ask the questions, educate yourself, and when you ask, just be nice. Yeah. Be yeah. a nice, respectful person. And then you can't actually go wrong if you conduct yourself with respect. Yeah. And I guess for for me and and for you and for for everyone else listening, what would be something that people just don't understand about your situation if you're willing to share anything? Um,
2: a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, most of it, because I'm very sensitive to the fact that it's a novel situation. Yeah. It's a complex one um, and it's going to take time to explain things to people and educate people and for people to understand where I come from, who I am, all of these different things. Yeah. Um, I just think they need to take the time to listen mm-hmm. and not let their not let their biases or not let their sort of opinions get in the way of of listening to what I'm saying. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that answer. I really love that answer. Um, I guess the there's a last couple of questions here. I'm just kind of kind of roll through them, but I know <laughs> that I'm going to be on a tangent. I do this often. Yeah. Um, how do you think people see you versus who you actually are? And I want that to be answered in two parts, right? Okay. Younger you. I want you to answer that first and you now.
2: The younger me distraction in class. As I got older, I probably dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Very silly. Yeah. Very loud. Stupid, Mm -hmm. idiot, Mm -hmm. but still sensitive. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. And now, I don't know, classy, hopefully. (laughs) Classy. Classy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Still fun, still silly, still the same person. It's just a different wrapping. I love that. Yeah.
0: I love that. And so the online community... Right, and the the support. Let's talk about support here. How can people support, not not just you, but inclusivity in general online when there is so much space for people to just be hateful?
2: That's a big one. Yeah.
0: Because uh, if you know, I'd like to know because I'm still yeah, trying to figure that one hard. out.
2: I think I think focusing on building the right narrative and promoting what's positive about this space and what's great about inclusion and just helping each other, helping each other have a voice for what's right mm-hmm. rather than screaming at a dog chasing its tail with what's wrong. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the time engaging in debate that isn't actually based in is can be harmful or can just be a waste of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think... Focusing on, focusing on trying to build up all the positives about inclusion and about diversity and about what makes those things so great because without those things, we wouldn't be where we are today and they're only going to make us better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Do you have any um, idols or people that you look up to?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I used to. I would have used to back in the day probably basketballers. Yeah. But nowadays, I don't know. It's coming into, coming into women's basketball has been pretty cool because yeah. unfortunately I didn't know many of you yeah. before I was playing a lot of basketball. Yeah. But, but now watching, watching you play and watching people like Kayla, Kayla play, mm-hmm. Mon Conti, everyone playing in the final tonight, yeah. go watch. Yeah. Um, it's really impressive. And it's really cool, and it's a great game, and you're all incredible athletes. So, all of you are sort of my idols. That's where I want to get to. <laughs> That's where I want to be. So, yeah, yeah.
0: That's I love that answer. You just made me blush.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not the blush I put on this morning. <laughs> um, so then, I guess as as someone who is just trying to live their life every day, do you still have things that you struggle with? Um, that that you would like to talk about that maybe other people might be going through too? Like for me, when I talk about stuff, um, my main shtick is mental health stuff. Do yeah. you struggle with anything like that day to day? And, and what, what does that look like for you when you're trying to just kind of exist?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think I think I would share a lot of struggles with uh, a lot of transgender people for sure. Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious, um, and those things those things come down to you know sort of superficial you know oh, I wish my voice was different or I wish my body was different these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But on an everyday basis, I would say the biggest thing, biggest challenge I face would probably be my anxiety. Mm-hmm. I get super anxious, and I just go loop in my head about the worst possible thing that can happen out of something. Mm-hmm. And so, trying to break myself out of that, and trying to be in the moment and not get ahead of myself and worry about what's going to happen that's probably the biggest thing I have trouble with most days
0: how does that relate to a sporting environment for you so do you still feel anxiety and anxiousness when you're playing basketball or thinking about basketball or is that um, kind of your escape place
2: I think when I'm actually playing and when I'm on the court it's an escape mm-hmm. for sure because it's intense it's in the visceral like yeah you don't have a choice but to be in the moment yeah and be doing what what you're doing yeah and i love that that's what i really love about it in the lead up to in the lead up to stuff i'll i'll freak out
0: yeah same yeah, yeah totally oh. yep
2: <laughs> yeah warm-ups i might look cool calm collected yeah but in my head i'm like the drive to the game yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) big time big time and then after the game i'm probably all right yeah 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 it's over what was i worrying about
0: yeah Yeah. that's fair that's totally fair um and then like i kind of i kind of asked you before what you would say to your younger self right but
2: do you think little you would be proud of you i don't know what little b would make me (laughs) I reckon they'd be pretty excited. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think they would be. Yeah? Yeah, Definitely.
0: Just like taking a – what is it when you look through the spyglass and you're like, wow, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I reckon they'd be a bit like, that's a joke. Not really, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who's joking? Yeah. But no.
0: I think that um, there's – you know, you know, in the law of attraction, if I'm allowed to get frou frou here for a little bit, um, when you put out to the universe what you know what you want your life to be and what you want to create, and I think that the the concept of you know we can control certain things, and I think that being able to live as your yourself is like. The number one of the number one things I would believe that would contribute to someone's happiness because waking up in every day not feeling like you are who you are and that's not an experience specific to transgender people either. That's an experience that, I mean, I felt I know a lot of other people feel where you wake up and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, who am I, what's happening, you know, and I think that being able to be yourself 100% honestly openly and not feel like you're hiding parts of yourself because we all do that mm. we all hide parts of ourselves. Yeah. we all hide parts that we believe wouldn't be accepted by quote-unquote society we all hide parts of ourselves that we we feel that for whatever reason there's a certain attachment of shame and I think that working through shame and trying to figure out where that comes from is difficult it is so difficult but necessary in order to kind of blossom right yeah. it's like kind of um, I'm gonna butcher this. Um, the there's that flower that's really pretty that sits on the top of the water, and then all of its roots go down into like the mud and the murky is it a water yeah. lily? Am I lotus flower? Something like that. Um, I got a nod over there, so I'm gonna say it's a lotus flower. Um and so that when they sit on the top of the water, like they're able to be, because of all the crap that's underneath. And I think that, you know. Being able to openly talk about our experiences is the, so important because you have no idea how many people go through all of this.
2: Yeah. I, it Again, ask the questions. You'd be amazed how similar a lot of – I can only speak for myself, but you'd yeah. be amazed how similar the experience is for a lot of people in a lot of ways.
0: And to, to, to finish up, I kind of want to ask you, what is something that you would ask of people – in the next couple of weeks moving forward as you, you're just trying to figure out how to exist in this space and what what are you asking of people to, you know, like for me I would say I'm asking people to be nice and to, and to treat me and you and everyone else with respect. What are you asking of people over the next couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, please be nice. Please be nice. It's been a hard week. So just try to remember that there's actual people that are affected by these discussions and these debates. Um, Yeah, that's probably it. Simple but.
0: Simple but should be simple, right? Should be simple. And, again, I really do encourage people to just respect nice and also, like, listen to Lexi's story because she – You're a cool person. You've had a cool life. Um, You're a quirky, fun human. You are kind and you're actually quite brilliant. Like the way that you're able to articulate your experience is um, quite niche. A lot of people can't actually talk about their feelings in that way and talk about their experiences. And I'm very grateful that you've come on and been able to share. And i truly believe this is just a part of your story. Like there's so much that we haven't heard about. You know there's so much more that's happened and that it is going on and that will go on, but to be able to share your story with us on here is so important not just for you to you know be able to have some sort of autonomy over the the narrative that's been put out there, but for everyone listening hear what she has to say and and put a face to the name and everyone meet Lexi Rogers (laughs) this is Lexi this is who you've been hearing about she is a beautiful beautiful wonderful person and she will continue to grow and blossom and be who she is and if you run into her at a basketball stadium give her a smile maybe a hug I don't know (laughs) you know be nice to Lexi and and you know encourage these conversations within your circles, have the conversations with your parents, have the conversations with your sisters and brothers and peer groups, and um, let's help make basketball to be a space of inclusivity and of love. And basketball should be a place of inclusivity and love for everyone that walks into a stadium. And that's how it should be. And that's what we are working towards it being. Um, But Lexi, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I, I I really can't wait to even get you on next year so we can talk about this last year and yeah. everything that's happening and I'm so excited to watch you grow and blossom and in whichever direction you choose to go and um, thank you again um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so
2: much. I feel like very up. Feel like, feel <laughs> gas up after. Feeling
0: myself. Gas me up, son. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you so much and to all the listeners out there. Can't on, wait for you to hear this. Um, this is Annalie Maley with Lexity Rogers and that was Under the Surface. That was Under the Surface. If this episode brought up any concerns for you, we recommend you call Lifeline on 13 11 14.